We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Motion Roots Podcast. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. It is life after football here on the Moose and Roots podcast as uh, we make the turn towards 200, Matt. Still plenty to get to. Uh, still uh, plenty of exciting stories across the sporting landscape, both in Chicago and outside Chicago. First and foremost, before we delve in, how you doing? Well, I'm glad you said it. We're, we're inching towards episode 200, Joe. We got two. Yes. We got, got a couple mailbags here, but we need some more. We need some golf yeah. questions. We need some sports questions. We need some food ones. We need some pop culture ones. We need everything, people. You have, um, you have a month and a half to bring it our way. We got some time. Before we episode time, 200. But, but, but it's, never it's, gonna, too it's early going to, to be an extravaganza. It has yep. to start now. We need at least 10. It, it, it's it. never too early to just start, you know, it, it, there's that due date, yeah, but if you want to just get it done with, get it in, get it over with, That's get it. it off your head, just do it now. Send us a mailbag. Summer I'm compiling break, a list. Summer break starts once you finish your homework type yeah, it's like, just It's one mailbag submission away, and then you're free. Check your work and send it in. There you, know, you go. That, that type of thing. How was your first uh, but, week without football? It was fine. That was, this uh, was, was the first week with the full week without Yeah. Yeah, Last, yeah, we, it, we, yes. This is the first. I mean, week, yes, last week was the recap. Super, super, I forgot. I'm, I'm lost. You know, being in the being in the industry, you tend to uh, see sports through the vein of like what you're doing at work, and mm-hmm. we've remained extremely busy. You know, CBS PGA Tour swing is going on, so we've been doing a lot of stuff with the Genesis Invitational. We'll have some picks mm-hmm. for you there uh, coming up momentarily uh, a lot of college basketball bubble implications we've got to that time of the season and the nba has just been like an all-star game every night someone's dropping 40 every night if not multiple players so uh that has kind of driven the the story as well so we're not we're not hurting for uh entertainment we're not hurting for action but are we missing football you betcha yeah, we are uh, you betcha we've that's and that's like just again from sort of an industry standpoint football is the butter to the bread it it really is we've continued the conversation we're already looking at uh draft boards mock drafts divisional breakdowns for next season like there is we've gotten to the point where nfl content rolls 24 7 uh at least over here at cbs so it's been it hasn't been the jarring um transition away from football that i'm used to so if football is the butter of the bread then everything else is kind of like when you're at the italian restaurant and you get the olive oil and parmesan cheese not quite as good but you still got a lot going on there still good still yeah, solid. i think if you want to extend the metaphor there the food metaphor that would work um okay. a little sorry I you guess, brought up uh, bread and i got hungry just yeah a little thing. olive oil a little yeah. parm Maybe um, a dash never of balsamic been the, in there. See, no, I was just about to stop you. I was just okay. about to stop before you even said it because Jeez. you're uh, aggressive. Yeah, yeah. That, that, Passionate. That come, I like that. I just what's that's what a little olive gardeny. It's a little Is olive gardeny okay. for me. Yeah, that's fair. yeah. I mean, it, the, balsamic no doubt has its place, but in, in the dunking pre-meal situation, I think we keep it. If well, you're going to go, any, I prefer straight just olive oil parmesan cheese. I'm, I'm if waiting. you're going to go anywhere beyond that. Little crack of fresh black pepper in there. Little crack. I like little that. Little crack. Just, I like a little, that. just a little. Not even a little kick. There, just you know? something. Just a little exactly. Something. Just yeah. wake up the palate. A little something extra. Uh, as you can see, football is behind us, and we've uh, we've completely lost our minds. Some of our best uh, conversations, though, are food related. People. It have is said true. That. Sometimes when there's that uh, that 
chasm of things to cover. When we, when, we, when there's nothing going on, that's when we really get to the basis mm-hmm. of things. We start doing some soul searching. Exactly. Uh, but we do have to uh, hit some topics here, Matt. We do have to talk about a couple of Chicago winter teams that were looked at as bottom feeders, but now find themselves right in the mix of playoff pictures. Wild. Uh, I want to start. I want to start with the Bulls on the tail end of their second twenty-plus point comeback uh, a night ago against the Detroit Pistons. Not only do they come back, but like there was a clear moment where that comeback occurred. Uh, I don't know how many people were tuned in last night, but Zach Levine in a foul slash jump ball situation once again uh, has a Detroit defender on him, sort of gets in his face and words are exchanged and then they rattle off a crazy run. Uh, just another sign of a team that like that has some makings of that, that playoff DNA that you're looking for. Um, yeah, they're playing good basketball, but they're playing together. Your, your rookies coming into form and Pat Williams knocking down a big three. Um, things are working in the right direction. And I don't know that, uh, I don't know. I guess the, the question I want to ask you, does it feel like in the city, people are giving enough credit to Billy Donovan for the job that he's doing? Uh, I absolutely think so. I think the the first and foremost credit is starting to go to Zach Levine now, like as I probably think that it should, because this is kind of the year that we've all been waiting for him to have, that he's kind of taking that leap into, I'm not going to go quite superstardom yet, but that tier just kind of right below it, yeah. the, the tier we all thought he could possibly get to. But I think anywhere you listen to people talk about the Bulls, read people talk about the Bulls, whenever they're going to talk about Zach Levine, they're also going to mention that it's Billy Donovan that's helped get him there, and it's Billy Donovan that's kind of helped change the mentality of this team. The Bulls came out flat last night, and they, they were either mm-hmm. down, what was it, 20, I think, at half, 18 at half. Last year, Jim Boylan doesn't really know how to pull the strings. They don't really respect him all that much, and when Jim Boylan pulls the starting lineup, he does it at the wrong time, and he kind of just pisses some people off. Last mm-hmm. night to start the second half, Billy Donovan went with a pretty much entirely new lineup. I think he just kept Zach, Zach in there, maybe Patrick Williams too, not totally sure. Shook up the lineup to start the second half. Team took it as, uh, oh shit, we're getting our ass kicked, we need to figure it out. And Zach Levine just decided to take over the game last night. So it was, I think last night, as opposed to blowouts of last year, you know, we've seen the difference. You know, last year when they're down 20 at half, you know the game's over, you know they have no chance. This year, to start the third quarter, Zach got a little bit hot, and you kind of thought they had a chance to win the game the whole time. And it's really just because of the culture change, the culture shift that Billy Donovan's brought. It's just a completely different professional basketball team that you're watching as opposed to, I, don't, I hate using the term amateur hour, but it was amateur hour with Jim Boylan. And it's interesting, Matt, because yes, I'm, I'm 100% of the camp of giving Billy all the credit and Zach all the credit. I, I know I, you know, in the past, spoke a little bit critically of his ability in crunch time. I think time. we all did, honestly. Yeah, or crunch and, time, but yes. And it's not really critically of uh, critical uh, out of the out of lines. If you're looking at it from a number standpoint, just not really executing in those final moments. Mm-hmm. That, that's not where I want to go with this conversation. I do want to continue on the Bulls, but it, it sort of mirrors uh, the team, their, their co-residents there mm-hmm. uh, on Madison. And I want to take this Blackhawks for a moment. We can go back Bulls, but. Jeremy Conlaton and the job that he's done with the Blackhawks team. Do you think there's a growing belief there? Because again, we all scoff when a when a extension comes in the off season when we're saying this is one of the things that needs to change. Mm-hmm. Now they're playing great hockey. They're at the top of the division. They're tied up there. Uh, we're talking about them again. Playoff team outperforming expectation. Is this a case of buy in? Further buy in with the coach and steps forward. Um, 
you know, you know, with our other Chicago team in action right now? Yeah, you know, I I, I was as critical as anybody at Jeremy Colleton, and I, I uh, another person who was was my dad. Even my dad's mm-hmm. been as critical as him, you know, as anybody has been from the start. Even I got an email from him about a week or two ago. You know, still don't love the guy, but you have to give him credit. The guys are playing for him, and, and that's. That's kind of all you can say about him. I, I, I think that wait, 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 wait. the guys I, are playing for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I got all that. Your, you and your father email? You email oh, each so, other? No, so uh, that's a lot of the times our, our line of communication because I'm uh, with my work schedule that's often, you know, not sure when I'm where. I, I think gotcha. it's more of like I'm going to email matches in case it's work. Don't, Don't want to blow up the yeah, phone. Exactly. Gotcha. So I think that's I, – I, See, with Mike my father, Tim, I believe it's more text, but with me it's always been email because I think it's always – he's not totally sure when I'm at work and thinks it yeah, is my, a better my father, my father has no such uh, filter. He just – straight to, if i don't see you on tv i can call you that's type, fair uh, i respect type that approach um but that's like i do things when i'm not on air as well dad you know no dad. no and, you're, you're doing oh, nothing to come full circle here he occasionally still calls text messages emails too so same same you know same same <laughs> that, that, that that type of thing um, but I do understand what you're saying. The guys are starting to play for him. And I, mm-hmm. I think you saw last year, especially in the playoffs, he, Jeremy Colleton got out coached a little bit. And there's some things in terms of strategy that he still needs to figure out. But uh, I think he grew a little bit in the off season. I also want to credit the veteran leaders, uh, it, mainly just Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith, because they're the only ones really on the ice right now. They've grown a little bit too, and they're doing a great job of bringing the younger guys along. But I think the fact that this team is so young and that mm-hmm. there were so few expectations on them um, really gave Jeremy Colleton a little bit of a jump start. And I, the book on him was he was always very good with the young guys. He was a good developmental guy when he was in Rockford. And now he's starting to get a lot of those guys that he worked with. Um, and, and I think the buy-in is uh, just about as high as it's been with him. All right, well, let's continue to draw these parallels here with both of these teams uh, outperforming expectations. The Blackhawks at the top of the division right now. Uh, the Bulls, I think. Bulls are a half game out of the eighth spot in the East, I believe. Yeah, but I think they're like a game and a half out of the four spot. That's how that's how bunched up things are right now. Let me. Yeah, uh, let Indi- me Indiana. That. Indiana's, that Indiana's uh, 15. Bulls are two games back of the four spot, which is Indiana. Yeah. Two games out of four, game and a half out of five. They're um, a half, half game, game out of six. Out of place. six, six, seven, eight. Everybody uh, sporting thirteen and fifteen or in that neighborhood. The Bulls currently sitting at twelve and fifteen on the season. Feels a lot better than that. They, it does. They, they've lost a couple close ones. Uh, they've been in games that they're not supposed to be in, or quote unquote supposed to be in. So um, it's been it's been enjoyable, uh, even you know, as someone who's watching these games through the lens of just the greater. Um, the, the grand scheme of each one of these leagues mm-hmm. um, to have the Bulls and the Blackhawks both be talking points in those two leagues when we didn't expect that has been refreshing. Yeah, I, I did want to ask you because I, I've, I can give you the local feel and what Chicago feels about the Bulls and, and the Blackhawks to an extent too. But I mean, you're the one hosting the national shows, doing the national you know coverage. What is the national feel on the Chicago Bulls you know, right now? Does Billy Donovan bring like a different feel to them nationally? Are they not absolutely. seen as a joke anymore? Absolutely. Okay. They're, they've garnered. That's always the first place people go to is Zach Levine's been playing great. Billy Donovan's awesome. Um, I think that I think there's a lagging understanding on Lori marketing. People still like people there's, still, there's still one of those here, Joe. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lag. There's a lot lagging about um, about Lori marketing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that, 
you know, uh, last last podcast we had the conversation about Lori and where he's at developmentally and how he's kind of behind the eight, not behind the eight ball, but behind pace right now. And I don't think that's the feeling nationally. I think because the Bulls have been so out of sight, out of mind, people are just like, yeah, he's this young guy who's got great intangibles who could be something special. And um, so maybe there's a little bit more optimism uh, nationally mm-hmm. uh, outside of the city for Lori than there is um, locally. But um, no, it's I've gotten a lot of both with the Blackhawks and the Bulls. I've gotten a lot of because people know I'm a Chicago guy. I make yeah. it very clear. Um, I've got a lot of your Bulls are looking good. Your Bulls are looking all right. You're hot. Look at your hot. Your Has Todd Furman apologized to you yet? Todd Furman has made a full apology. Good. Um, Good. He and not only Todd Furman is not hard headed. Todd Furman lets the numbers uh, dictate oh, yeah. his his opinions here. So he is um, anytime he he finds a team that he feels like perception in Vegas does not match the actual product on court or on mm-hmm. ice, he takes advantage. So oh, yeah, those, those guys don't, don't those guys those guys don't make out a career out of you know their product. No, and they're always looking for plus money. They're always looking for an underdog, a live mm-hmm. underdog that can give you some plus money. And I think the Blackhawks have been that. The Bulls have been that. If you're um, crazy enough to bet them on the money line, shout out to my cousin Luke Domask, uh, who's a listener of the podcast. He sprinkles Bulls money line every game. So uh, not a winning proposition, but uh, a, a way to keep God your bless, heartbeat yeah. going. A way to keep your heartbeat going, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think the general sentiment is – how about these teams? Yeah. Huh? Like no one truly believes that the Bulls or Blackhawks are going to make any noise beyond, I don't know. I, I haven't asked the question, but the way that they're addressed, I wouldn't assume that anyone believes that they're going to make any noise beyond the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I might still hold that same feeling for the Bulls, but it begs a question with the Blackhawks, Matt. And I want to kind of jump into a little bit of a buy or sell here with you. Sure. Buy or sell the Blackhawks, looking at them at the top of the division. Uh, with the current construction and the way that they're playing and maybe assuming that you might get a couple stars back in tow. I I don't know when we're going to see Johnny. I don't know when we're going to see Kirby, Uh, but buy or sell uh, looking at everything, all the chips on the table cards down. The Blackhawks can make some noise deep into the playoffs this season. Currently constructed. No, you touched on what happens if they get, you know, a Jonathan Taves and Kirby doc back. If those guys Mm -hmm. come back, make some noise by like win a series or two maybe legitimate stanley cup contenders no i still think their their blue line is a little bit inexperienced and they don't really i love duncan keith and i think he might be the my if one of the greatest defensemen of all time the best blackhawks defenseman of all time he's now 38 though he's not kind of that guy anymore he's a good number two but they don't really have that stud number one defenseman that's going to anchor their you know their decor so i don't really think they have that yet and i think they're so young and inexperienced that no i don't think they're a team that's going to beat uh, a tampa bay lightning in a series or a carolina hurricane something like that but can they win a series you know win a couple games against a pretty good team the way kevin lankinen's playing the way the young kids are playing right now uh yeah i think they absolutely can provided that they get back you know they'd have to get back jonathan taves kirby doc to make this team you know fully complete so it's not a full like uh, playoff push type buy-in, but the Blackhawks do have Matt Rooney stuttering. So you know, yeah. you know he's you know he's a little bit uncomfortable about uh, about making the declaration, but you know he's thinking about making the de- declaration. So we're getting it, somewhere here. It's we're getting somewhere here. If you would have told me, you know, what's it a month ago, a month and a half ago, that I would have been saying that 
the Haw- you know six weeks down the line, you're going to say that the Hawks are Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc away from being one of the best teams in the Central Division. I'd have told you you were nuts and probably drunk. But and, um, and I think are. that's a I think that's part of it too. Is that the Central Division hasn't necessarily performed as the top division in hockey right now. Which no, is you've, nice had, too. You, you've had the top. I mean, Florida's been kind of unexpected. They've been, we're supposed to be good. I don't think yeah. they're supposed to be this good. Tampa's Tampa. Carolina's playing like people expected them to. Columbus is kind of middling and Dallas really out of the gate. They, they had this slow start because of, uh, they, they had COVID issues to start the year, mm-hmm. um, but they have just, they haven't been the Western Conference champs that they were last year. And I'm not sure anybody expected Nashville to be a Stanley Cup contender, but I don't think anybody expected uh, Nashville to be sitting here six nine and uh, six and nine after 15 games. So I, I, yeah. I think that's those two teams not being as good of help have have helped the Hawks kind of jump to where they are. Um, but that top of the division is still very good. Uh, we could sit here and talk about the Chicago Bulls all day until our faces turn blue, but uh, we do have a tease to put forward. That's because, what next uh, week's for. We got a big guest coming next week. Mark Shinovsky, friend of the podcast, recurring guest here on the Moose and Runes pod, going to be stopping by talking Bulls. So probably about three or four more data points between now and then for him to take into account. But going to be very interested to hear uh, how Mark feels about this team and their prospect moving forward, not to just make the playoffs this year, but maybe win a round or two yeah. out east, see what happens. And hey, as, as a little warm-up for that, after you're done listening to this pod, go listen to the Gimme the Hot Sauce pod with Mark and Stacey King. Dynamite there you Bulls go. Con, uh, podcast. Uh, perhaps uh, slightly more informed than just the a, yeah, Just a little bit. Just a you think Stacey's, opinion, Stacey's, and, Stacey's and Mark's opinions are better than ours on, on the Bulls? Um, aggregate? Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, that's and not even aggregate. I mean, one-on-one, any one of them. Any, probably, any, yes. any, com- any combination, yes. <laughs> any combination of guys who have covered the Bulls for 30 years and idiots with the podcast. I'd go guys covering the Bulls for 30-plus years. Yeah, probably lean that way. Uh, Matt, we uh, do have to move on here. Plenty of topics. Where do you want to go next? You want to talk a little golf? You want to talk a little Carson Wentz or <sighs> lack thereof? Uh, let's go Carson Wentz. Yeah, let's that do kind that. of just sparked it right there because – you know, I, I love the the done deal reporters, the uh, breaking news reporters. It's a done deal the, two weeks ago. Was gonna uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carson Wentz is still on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, still plenty of time between now and the April 29th draft date. But you can guarantee that all of these uh, big players, uh, and, I, and I'm not talking about players, I'm talking about general managers, all these big players in free agency and trades, this is it. This is this is the season. You lose your leverage come April 29th. Who wants to trade after uh, the NFL draft? Nobody. So you got to make moves here in the next month or so, a uh, month and a half, two months, whatever it may be. But uh, Carson Wentz, still a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, still, They still intend on trading him. But I believe, I don't know, through, I, I believe these reports just as much as I believe the done deal reports that Carson Wentz doesn't want to be in Chicago. Apparently, uh, there's reports from within his camp that he'd rather be an Indianapolis Colt than a Chicago Bear. Um, I didn't really buy into the Carson Wentz is a bad locker room guy rumors that were coming out of Philly. Like, obviously, Philly's just a tough place to be this year. Like, mm-hmm. uh, there's there your coach is getting fired. You have no offensive weapons. The defense is apathetic. Like, it just wasn't a great. You're playing in the worst division in football possibly ever. Yeah. It just wasn't. It wasn't a place where you're, where there's going to be a ton of good vibes. Um, but this, if I am to buy into it at all, does give me a, a, a moment of pause that Carson Wentz might not be the best guy to have on your team just from a team standpoint, not from a skill standpoint. You know, I, if I'm him, though, I, I think I would rather be going to the Colts, too, at this point. 
Uh, I mean, they're, they're why? Because because for me, the Indianapolis Colts are just from a draft standpoint. They, I believe they pick one pick after the Chicago Bears. I believe they are the twenty first pick in the NFL draft. They weren't that much better last year. Maybe they have a better offensive line. So if you're worried about protecting, I your think they have a little bit better of offensive line. I think they have a little bit better of a run game, though. I, I, obviously, David okay, Montgomery but, came on last year. I think they have good. A, good they good, have good, a you more. Got quit- you got they Quentin have a Nelson. More, they also have more got, stable front office and coaching situation, which I think is something for him. I, and well, fine, but if you're looking, if you're looking to join an offense with weapons, the Bears head and shoulders have better weapons than I'd argue for the Bears' weapons over Indy's weapons any day of the week. From a Rob, if you get something figured you out, can't there, can't to, quite count to, him to, in yet, though. Yeah, you can't take take this franchise tag. You're not going anywhere, pal. Okay. Sorry if you're not happy. Take this franchise tag. You're a Chicago Bear this year. So yeah, you can count uh, you can count uh, Allen Robinson into this offense if we're just if we're stating the case for a quarterback coming to town. Allen Robinson will be here. We'll make sure he's here. It's your job to make him happy as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Feed him the ball. You got Darnell Mooney. Uh, you, you got a, a budding tight end in Cole Komet who over the tail end of last season showed me he could be something special in this league as well. You got a running back in David Montgomery, who was the fifth fifth overall rusher in the NFL. I believe he had a couple yards less than Jonathan Taylor last year Mm -hmm. uh, rushing. Uh, You've got an offensive line that obviously needs work, but if we're going to compare offensive lines here, great. You got Quentin Nelson. You're going to be fine at that left guard position. He's not going to let anyone come near you. But Anthony Costanzo did just retire. Yeah, uh, your blind true. side isn't protected right now, so you're going to have a 21 year old protecting your blind side with the 21st overall pick after the Bears likely take an offensive lineman. Like, who's going to be that guy at 21 protecting your ass, Carson Wentz? So if we're just going to put these offensive depth charts against one another, man, I have a hard time believing that Indy is that much cushier of a job than Chicago. I think what it comes down to is probably the coaching situation. And yeah, the, the Bears, the Bears do have that. a guy. Ours is an idiot. You know? our, ours is an idiot. And the <laughs> plus side very well might be gone next year. Who knows? Um, but they have a guy not only in a more stable coaching situation, but the last guy, last time Frank Reich was calling the plays for Carson Wentz. Great, might not have been fully calling the plays, whatever. Offensive coordinator for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was the NFL MVP until he tore his ACL in Week 13. I think that might have a little bit something to do with it, but I also think there's something to, to what you're saying. I mean, he, while I'm sure he, everyone, when they're getting traded, has a destination they want to go to, it certainly seems like he's going out of his way to make it known that he wants Indy. And that might speak to something more of, you know, he needs everything to be his way and he needs things to go just exactly right. And it's already in his head that if he doesn't go to Indy, you know, he's going to be starting from behind the eight ball. So, yeah, I think the fact that he's trying to force his way somewhere else uh, does raise uh, a few pieces of concern. And if I'm Ryan Pace, I'm even more so not overpaying now for Carson Wentz. I would pay the, the, you know, the sticker price, the price tag for him. But if if they start asking me for more than that because of what might be going on in that guy's head might be more of a little, a little bit of pause. But just from the indie standpoint, didn't I believe there were rumors that their offer was two second round picks. So like if yes, that's I believe how they that was feel it. about, if that's how they feel about Indian, if that's the market that they've set, it's not going to be very hard for the bears to get Carson Wentz. Like no. if they're willing to part with the 20th overall pick in this next draft. Um, so we'll see how it all goes down. But yeah, I, I just don't know. It, it, it's the first time that I've actually questioned Carson Wentz's like 
actual his viability as a leader in a locker room and that he might be i mean i hate to use the term but he might be cancerous in the locker room as he was claimed to be late there in philadelphia um so we shall see how it all plays out with carson wentz um other free agency going on other moves going on in the nfl anything of note uh, that's escaping my mind right where's jj walking end up JJ Watt, that's an interesting one. Um, I saw Buffalo sounds the like, other day. Sounds like Buffalo has the most traction right that would now. Be there's awesome. that would there's, be there's quote unquote bashful. mutual interest there. I'd like to see Buffalo. I wouldn't mind to see Cleveland. Um, I, I don't think that. I mean, yeah, Chicago. The tie-in is there that uh, you know his wife plays that, for the that's Red about Stars, but the only tie-in. Yeah, I, I don't and know. It's not really a fit there financially. No, and it's like how much. How much are you willing to be an interior rusher as opposed to an edge rusher? Because he likes to move around. He likes to still get his reps off the edge. There's just no space for you to do that. Maybe, yeah, you sit down Robert Quinn at $75 million. That's tough. I, I don't know. Um, you don't, Neither him, neither Mac or Quinn can be moved inside. So no. you're essentially you know, slotting him next to Hicks. And I, I, I haven't even entertained the idea in my head because yeah. I just don't see it happening. I see Green Bay. I see Buffalo. I see Cleveland. I really hope Green Bay doesn't happen because I just, I've seen that movie before. He's going to go there and kind of refine himself and be healthy and go back to being superstar J.J. Watt and just re- wreak havoc against yeah, but us I, for, for I'm not, I'm not of, I'm not of that same assumption like because superstar J.J. Watt – he still lurks, but injury J.J. Watt, um, oh, the, unproductive J.J. Watt. Those J.J. Watts are coming wherever he's going as well. That's probably true. I think it's just more the scoring Bears fan in me that just assumes the worst is going to happen, yeah. especially when, you know, when anybody goes to Green Bay. It seems like they start to kind of find themselves again, and that's just it. I, I agree with you. I think anywhere he goes, that's probably what, what you're saying is probably the likely scenario. This is just strictly me being a scoring Bears fan in the past. I had uh, I had a couple. We have a couple Packers fans in the newsroom, um, and I had them Gross. going yesterday saying when we were talking about JJ where he might end up, and someone brought up Green Bay, and I was like, why would he go to Green Bay? He said he wants to be on a contender. Like we know we know Green Bay's ceiling. Like does he want to lose in the NFC Championship game every year? Because that's him. we know we know the ceiling. You know, Love good it. for you. You get another T-shirt, but sorry, you're never going to get your hands on that sticky Lombardi if you go to Green Bay, my that's friend. That's true. Get him to Buffalo. Uh, JJ to Buffalo. to Buffalo. Let's get that. He, let's get that uh, trending. We're on to Buffalo. We're on to Buffalo. What else? Any, um, any, any other free agent news? We got anybody? I, 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 I guess we could kind of dovetail here to a different sport in terms of uh, not free agency, but a new deal here. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. agrees to a 14-year, $320 million deal with the Padres. Uh, I have not seen the opt-out clauses or anything there. I'm sure there's some. Year imagine four, there's year probably six, two eight, in there. Whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, whatever they slot them, but 14 years makes it the longest deal ever signed duration wise in the history of major league baseball, average annual value. He's up there in the top three, I think behind just trout and Mookie Betts. Um, he becomes the third highest player average annual value. Is this a little bit, um, I guess I could make this a buy or sell buy or sell Matt, uh, Fernando Tatis jr. Um, I don't know how that I want to phrase it. Let's not make it a buy or sell. Let me just ask you this way. All that glitters is in gold. Do you think that this was a little bit too premeditative for Fernando Tatis Jr.? Would you not have want to see one more year of action out of Tatis? Not to say that I question his um, his viability as not only the face of a franchise, but the future face of the league with how exciting he plays the game and how exciting that San Diego team is right now. Uh, 
So are you asking if I'm the Padres, would I have held off a year if I was Tatis? Yeah, yeah. If you were if you were the Padres, oh, obviously if okay. you're Tatis and someone's offering you say, guaranteed money no. over a 14-year span with uh, with opt-outs, mm-hmm. yeah, 100%. Because let's say there is an opt-out after year eight, uh, a player option, and he can opt out. Well, yeah, I've gotten my 260, uh, guaranteed, 260 million guaranteed dollars. We can either come back to the negotiation table or I can go somewhere – to a state and a team where they're not juicing me yeah. half my money's going to uncle Sam. Like he's got options. Did you, did and you he's see got, how much money by the long... way he's making after taxes in um, California? It's like a, he's only getting like now I'm saying only it's still generational wealth, multi-generational wealth. It's $340 million contract. He's only getting like 168 million of it. Yeah. That's and that, that That's, I mean, that's what happens. And you know, you're, there's a little sunshine tax in there to be uh, in San Diego mm-hmm. for that uh, duration of time. Um, he's also, uh, he, he's on a team that has put together a roster that can contend uh, for the next, however long. Um, so I think that, you know, there's a commitment on both sides there. He's committed to a team and a market that it's going to cost him a little extra money to be on a good mm-hmm. team uh, that can contend for World Series titles. And for the team, there's a 14-year commitment to a player that 14 years from now, obviously, I mean, unless there's some sort of, I mean, we're going to be we're going to be tailing off from a production standpoint, yeah. likely 14 years from now. Um, but they've guaranteed him that commitment. They've guaranteed him that money. And um, I just kind of want to know where you stand on this deal. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought it was the right move. I, I think I know he still had some years left to control, obviously, but when you got a guy like this who's this good, yeah, it, it, he was hurt most of two years ago, but last year in a shortened, uh, shortened season, obviously, was absolutely on fire. He's going to be the face of the league. He's going to be the face of that franchise. Go ahead, take care of your guys early because as we've seen even on – you know, the north side with Chris Bryant, you know, stuff like that. When, when you don't go out of your way, when you don't take care of the players in your organization, the guys that you've used your face in the franchise, I think things start to come back to bite you towards the end. And I think that also does goodwill for you in the future with other draft picks, with other free agents. Like, hey, you come here, you produce, we're going to take care of you. And I think that's the message being sent out now. And quite honestly, when I saw that deal, I, I kind of thought like, I kind of thought that was a steal, seeing what you saw Bryce Harper and Mookie Betts for, signed for. You got this 22-year-old for, granted, the third highest AAV, but he's still 20. He, he's only 22. You didn't have to pay him until he's you know 42 years old. Yeah, he's getting a that lot market, of money. That but market like, only goes up. Yeah, like ten, you know, five years from now, you're probably going to be seeing people getting – 400 million over that you know you're, you're gonna see that mark go up right now it's a lot of money sure they don't have a lot huge fi- a lot of huge financial commitments right now i think that was the right move because like that's not just some guy in their organization that is the guy they've identified as the guy and have identified identified yeah. him as the guy from day one and they just said you know what we're gonna go ahead we're gonna take care of you um, I think that, and I agree with what you're saying there, but I do think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens with salaries over the next decade in baseball for a number of reasons. Interest in the sport is not great. I know it's not a um, it's not a revenue sharing league. Mm-hmm. It's essentially what your owners are willing to pay your players. There's no cap number. Yeah, but owners get a lot more stingy if nobody's in the ballpark. If nobody's um, watching the games and those TV deal numbers go down. So they are all in a way linked. So 
a decade from now, I, I think my point is, I think we're plateauing a little bit. Not to say that it, that numbers are going to go down, but I think that because the duration of these contracts is so long, and you're seeing mm-hmm. all the stars sign ten plus year deals, Mookie's on a ten plus year deal, Bryce is on a ten plus year deal, Trout's on a ten plus year deal. I think that's sort of indicating a little bit of. Um, concern from a player standpoint that this plateau is starting to happen. That like, let me get my money guaranteed now. Let me get it in paper. Mm-hmm. Let me get it in writing. Put pen to paper so we know what's happening. Because if these numbers plateau and they're not just handing out three hundred plus million dollar contracts, I, I don't want to be the one left holding the bag. You know, I want my money now. Yeah, uh, I think there's a I think there's an I want my money now uh, concern around the league in Major League Baseball, um, and, and they could continue to go up. I, I'm not sure how it's going to work. I just think it's very interesting to look at the Padres right now and the commitment that they've made. They've added arms. If you look at their infield of mm-hmm. Eric Cosmer, he's making. I'm looking at the numbers right now. He's making 144 million on his contract. How Song Kim, two, 28 million dollars. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., 340 million dollars. Manny Machado, 300 million. They have an 812 million dollar infield committed guaranteed money to four players so uh, sustainability wise um uh, business practice wise i don't know you tell me but um they went and signed a player they went and um you know invested in the future and like i said not just the future of the club but having uh, a future of the franchise marketability wise is huge Uh, Mm -hmm. tatis jr um just kind of punched in your your standard state tax of 13 percent. if he was to go to a non-state tax state he'd save himself 41.6 million dollars on his deal so that's Um, a lot of money that's a lot of money, especially when you think about it in terms of Fernando Tatis Sr., who made less than $18 million over his entire 12-year career in Major League Baseball. So uh, I think uh, I think, I think Junior's picking up the tab these days. Yeah, I, I would have to think so from here on out. I'd, I'd, I'd be making him do that. Uh, Matt, where do you want to head next? Golf? Uh, yeah, golf? talk golf. Genesis Invitational at Riviera. Hollywood is the setting, and the stars are out this week on the PGA Tour here on the Moose and Roots Podcast. We are a golf pod. Um, as we know, this was supposed to be a Tiger tournament. I believe he's technically the tournament host, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he so, does host this one, I believe. Um, but eight of the world's top ten in action. Dustin's playing. John Rahm's playing. Uh, Rory's playing. Justin Thomas is playing. Xander, Cantlay. Everybody's mm-hmm. out there. Finau, uh, Bryson. It's it's a true major championship type field on a major championship type course. It's not going to be a birdie fest out there. Uh, I think Riv has reared its head in the past. Uh, what are you most excited to find out on tour this weekend? I, I don't even know if it's finding out much. It's just more seeing kind of everybody come back because this is re- like uh, watching pebbles always fun obviously and seeing jordan go out there and, and play great was fun watching tory's fun but kind of the same thing you don't see the whole field i feel like riviera each year is always kind of the first like the first tournament where just about everybody starts to come back and play it mm-hmm. so i think for me that's that's what i'm most i think looking forward to is just kind of seeing everybody back out there and really having the feel that golf season is officially back underway but i mean if i'm looking to learn something about a player i Jordan Spieth is now going up against everybody, not kind of just a, a, a lacking field for like he was the last couple weeks where he was playing. So I, I think this is a good tournament to be a little bit of a measuring stick for Jordan. Everyone's saying, you know, he's back, he's back. He still hasn't won yet, um, but he, he's playing better golf. I want to see how he does against a better competition and if he's in there on Sunday against a, a Rom or a, or a Bryson or something like that, how he holds up. Yeah, I think it might be um... – 
I think it might be a little slap in the face for speed might supporters. Be. Not, not to say that I'm not one. Not just because of the field, but because of the course. Um, you can't be as wayward off the tee at Riviera as you could the last couple weeks. So um, unless he can really keep his ball uh, on level playing ground, I, I'm not sure that Jordan Spieth even sees the weekend. He was one of the top fades for our experts this Ooh, week. Uh, sees uh, the from, weekend. That would be a slap yeah. in the face. Um, and come on, let's not pretend like Jordan Spieth has not had trouble um, these last two weeks, notwithstanding in mm-hmm. making cuts as of late. Oh, no. like, let's not just let's I mean, not when, pretend that when he's um, good, he's doing Masters he, champion Jordan Spieth is back. It's still a four year drought since his oh, yeah. last win. I mean, when he's good, we get the exciting Jordan of the last couple of weeks where he's sinking putts and he's, you know, yeah. jarring shots from 150 out. But when he's bad, like he's not the I'm bad, but, you know, I'm, I'm still lingering around the top 20 playing on Sunday, whatever, we're making a run. He is I'm missing the cut and I'm not really coming all that close bad. I think what I'm most excited to learn is how much better Dustin Johnson is than the rest of the world right now. Because if he goes out there and he wins this tournament, uh, that'd be back-to-back starts. And I think three of his last four starts that he's won in, um, you're talking about a guy who just blitzed the playoff last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is squarely in his prime playing the best golf of his life. Took a week off last week, was supposed to play after traveling Saudi. He was supposed to come back. Um, and play at Pebble, sat the week out, got his body right, got his mind right, let the jet lag wear off, and now he's going to come in uh, full bullets in Hollywood, a course he's comfortable at, a course that favors a long baller. Mm -hmm. If he goes out there and wins this thing, I think we're getting into that conversation of like Dustin Johnson, not to say like Dustin or the field. It it gets to be Dustin or the field, not to a Tiger standpoint, but he's he's so squarely in a groove um, that I want to find out how much better Dustin Johnson is than the rest of the world this weekend. Yeah, I think that's I honestly wasn't even thinking about that. I'm glad you brought that up because has he played? He hasn't played since Augusta, has he? Um, On the PGA Tour? Yeah, he uh, I mean, Saudi was oh, two weeks so, ago. Oh, that was European guys. tour. Yeah, but he, he won that tournament runner away. I think it was 23 under. Um, let me pull up Dustin Johnson's uh, But no, I, it's, it's, you know, is he going if, – if he can build off what he did at Augusta, I agree with you. He is we, – we've talked about on this pod now for four or five years. You know, no one from this pack has really separated themselves as, you know, the best of this group. It's always just kind of been people taking turns with runs. This would kind of be the third or fourth time he's done that, and it, it'd be the best golf of all of them someone had been playing. Yeah. Uh, he did play – he's played once on the PGA Tour since the Masters. He played at the Century Tournament of Champions at uh, uh, the Plantation Course there in Hawaii. So he was part of that and took uh, a ho-hum 11th at 18-under. Um, so uh, we'll see what he can do this week at the Genesis. Very interested to see where the game is at. If that was just you know a week off of the body for the mind last week, or if he, he was working on some stuff, mm-hmm. we shall see. Um, Matt, let's put a pick forward here just to offer uh, up our expert pick, our guy Rick Gaiman on CBS Sports HQ, who's been hot. Uh, likes Colin Morikawa this week, but uh, don't be surprised if and, and I don't want to fade him. I'll never fade Rick, but Morikawa is working a saw grip like a half claw grip this week it's interesting he's brought it out um and seldom do you see a guy tinkering with putter grip and it work out week one so um i'm a little hesitant because of that on morikawa other than that game perfectly fits riv he's a socal kid knows how to get the job done um i i I think he's someone to keep an eye on this week as well who do you like this week at riv Uh, i mean i'm just 
I'm going to go chalk. I'm just going to take Dustin. Um, yeah. I, I like the way you described how he fits this course. It, he, he hits the ball as far as anybody. He's playing as good a golf as anybody over the last you know year or so. Um, I don't know a ton much about the field other than I know Justin is really good. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to stay chalk here. I'll take Dustin. Okay. He's going Dustin. Um, yeah, I think JT, this would be a good week for him to, um, you know, sh- shed the skin of his, uh, of his recent, um, indiscretions and, you know, yep. you can't co-sign anything he said or did on the course, but, you know, I, I think that. You know, having an indirect connection to JT and kind of knowing the guy that he is just around people, um, I think that, you know, he's he's due a second chance here. And I mm-hmm. think that um, I, I don't want to say winning cures all, but, but a win here amongst the best in the world, I think, would help us move from that point and kind of build him back up to, um, you know, be once again reverent about the name Justin Thomas, which has been hard to do over the last couple of weeks here. Uh, my pick, although th- that said, is uh, John Rahm. I think John Rahm is another guy. Okay. Anytime he, anytime he tees it up, I mean, he's the number two player in the world. Um, I don't think the disparity between him and DJ is all that grand. Uh, outside of a couple major championships and a couple more wins, uh, I think talent wise, John Rahm is another guy who, anytime he puts the peg in the ground, can go out and win the tournament. He's a little boom busty, but I like him. Uh, I believe he was twelve to one this week. Um, I like those odds. Uh, his, his odds were twelve. I think he, Rory, JT, and Xander were all twelve to one to win this week. Uh, DJ was five and a half to one. Okay, uh, and then I, I mean, it, it, with those odds, I like your odds better than I like mine. Also, John Rahm has just recently signed a Travis Matthew guy. Love that move. Oh, so there you go. Big a lot, fan, a lot of big uh, fan of that. Big, big on. He's a big cotton guy. You know, yeah. doesn't like those performance fabrics. Got to go cotton. Well, Travis Matthew sometimes they kind of have that little hybrid. It's it's, it's a little cottony though. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's a little it's, warmer. It's not a great shirt for a ninety degree day. If you have the shirt, no, 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 no. If I love. If it's like a I love 70, Travis Matthew golf stuff for non golf. Like I love okay. it as a polo. I love it just as a oh, polo or as a hat. Um, but to golf, I need something a little more moisture wicking. It's, it's a decent golf. It's a decent fall golf shirt. Yeah, when it's no you know when you, when you're not worried about you know uh, being too. We sweaty. welcome. Hey, and and that said, Travis Matthews wants to you know back up the brinks. We'll they take it. Send a little something our way. I'll never wear anything again. Yeah, you know? that's, that's true. I'm, I'm with him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, you got anything else before you say goodbye to the people? I think we do have to uh, talk a little bit of Aussie Open. Um, I'm not sure if you watched you know, that. I, I did. I was at work last night doing the Bulls oh, game. Awesome. I, was, I was following on Twitter, and everybody was going nuts over the uh, like Serena, Naomi Osaka Osaka match. Naomi Osaka goes down two games to to gets broken on her first serve in the first set, and then after going down 0-2, blitzes the first set, I believe six three, and then second set goes up four uh, two, but Serena makes this push back, breaks Osaka, ends up winning the second set. Osaka does six uh, four, so it goes six three six four to knock Serena out in the semifinal round of the Aussie Open. There was kind of an emotional moment there at the end that many are speculating on that maybe Serena's done uh, at the Aussie Open, starting to make her rounds as like her last shot at each one of these majors Mm -hmm. um, because the young buck controlled her uh, for the better part of that match um, uh, a day ago. Uh, Matt, buy or sell? I I wanted to get your take here. I know we're not necessarily ear to the ground when it comes to tennis, but do you think this is a victory lap for Serena that uh, she's saying goodbye? She's uh, just a little historical reference, still one major shy of uh, record time 24. I don't know enough about tennis. I haven't followed it enough on either the men's or women's side to really be able to 
kind of way where you know Serena's at in her career or Djokovic mm-hmm. or Federal or I, I didn't realize Nadal was already like 35 years old didn't realize these guys were all kind of getting back up there I'm just going to say I hope not because I would love to see Serena chase that record get that record but I also know where she's at in her life I think she you know had a, a child you know two three years ago so she's got a young child maybe that's something she wants to focus on more maybe she wants to be more of a family person she is getting old she obviously has Osaka who kind of has her number beating her in the last couple majors I believe it was the uh, the mm-hmm. U.S. Open was the last one. Um, it wouldn't shock me, but I, I guess I hope not because it's she's one of those athletes that makes the sport better when she's you know in it and playing. Well, yeah, if that makes sense, she, I, she's one of I, those. I think what's important in these sports too is that like whether it be golf, tennis, um, even even traditional sports in in basketball, football. When you're talking about the and it's already come up in this podcast, but the face of the league or like the person that's going to carry that mantle. I think tennis fans can be excited, even though this transition of power might be a little bit uncomfortable um, with Osaka doing away with a great champion in Serena Williams. I think it's, it, you got to sleep well at night if you're a tennis fan, knowing that the sport has another worthy it's team, in good hands. marketable, um, exciting, that the casual fan like you and I know about, hear about, see, and watch when it's on. Like that's, that's so important for a sport like tennis. Mm-hmm. Did it, like you said, it is in great hands with Naomi Osaka. Her talent, um, sort of, she's kind of got this like baby face killer thing to her, where like she's almost naive to the moment uh, in the way that she talks about it after the match. But there's still things in there to. Oh, it's like, oh, that's a killer. That's mm-hmm. like a killer, and she might not even be aware she's a killer just yet. Like very exciting um, to see where where her career goes. You know, e- even beyond Serena, when she does find uh, a new adversary, um, whoever that may be. Yeah, it's it's good. To, it's always good to know when when a leg, one ledge is on their way out that there might be another, another one right behind we got another ledge on the way that's it uh matt i think we've uh, we've covered all legends in this i like i like how we went you know, we didn't go the normal like one topic two topic buy or sell done it was kind of all over the place we, we started a topic yeah, like that, random buy or sell it was a little mixed bag of everything this is like when the girlfriend gives you the the hey babe you want to go for a walk and it's like where like what? no, no, no. we're just go for a walk. Like we're just going. No, we're just going for a walk. We're gonna, we're gonna see. We're gonna see where we go. You know that yeah. type of thing. Let's uh, as as I watch snow dump down here in Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah, I was saying so we're, in, in, we're not walking anywhere today, man. I was gonna say in any in, any, in the, with this weather, let's not get any ideas. I think I'm just wishful thinking of a of a of a time when we can get out of the house and just amble about as we please. Walk a golf course with some that's, ooh, Also good. Yeah, it's also good. Just get, get the cardio in. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Moose and Moose podcast, episode 194, as we creep closer to the 200th episode. As Matt said, it can only be a mailbag extravaganza if the mailbag is full and we need it to be extravagant. Mm-hmm. So send us your mailbag questions between now and episode 200. Uh, we want to touch on it all. We want to make it yours because uh, that's why we do it. Yeah. Matt, anything for the people before we say goodbye? Get the mailbags in. Get the mailbags in. For Matt, I'm Joe. Talk to you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.